When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Feel that one scalded to right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like, now, to your hosts. All right, everyone, welcome in to Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, you can follow CLNS uh, on Twitter at CLNS Radio. Facebook is CLNS Fans. Of course, you can download the CLNS Radio free mobile podcast app uh, for iOS or Android as well. You can find our show at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Um, and of course you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, which would be absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot going on, of course, big news this week. I think most of the people would know would be the David Price fiasco that almost was a disaster. Um, Chris Sale made his first start today as well as some other rule changes around the league. So a lot to get to, but guys, let's start with David Price because this was the big news. Everyone was freaking out all week and rightfully so because when Dr. Uh, James Andrews name pops up, no good news usually is around the corner. Yeah, usually, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, you're going in for Tommy John surgery when you hear Dr. James Andrews. And I think, you know, we all kind of had that, like, <gasps> moment when he said that he was going to see him. And rightfully so, you know, like I said, it's never really a good thing when he gets involved. But luckily, he David Price was one of those rare cases where he needs, quote-unquote, seven to ten days of rest. And hopefully it'll be okay. I'm a little concerned because... He was told that he has a unique elbow in which how his tendons feel, and that kind of concerns me because he's 30 years old. You know, he's not a young gun, but he's not old either. But if he's a power pitcher, and obviously, you know, he's one of the better pitchers, he throws hard, he throws fast, it's definitely concerning for the future. But right now I'm going to take this as, you know, you kind of dodged a, dodged a bullet with this one. Yeah, it was interesting. The big freak out, everybody goes insane. They're saying they're concerned about it. But there was kind of that thing right from the beginning where they were just like, they were like, well, uh, you know, we're being overly cautious. Like, 
we're not sure if it's anything there shouldn't be too much to worry about but let's check anyway and let's go to senator dr andrews which usually isn't the case for being overcautious usually that's like the worst case scenario like lauren said so um it was a little strange the whole thing was weird but yeah the bionic arm like he's like extra <laughs> bionic arm and like his arm heals itself like what is he like superhuman or something or we got like some kind of robot in our hands here on the team like I thought that I, I thought that you know they were just saying being overcautious because they wanted to like mask it, not in case something really wasn't wrong, and they just wanted to make sure they had the right answers before they said, "Hey, he's out for the year." Because as soon as he said, like when David David Price came out and said, "You know, I don't think it's anything bad. Um, I'm not really worried," but then he went to see Doctor Andrews. I'm like, "Okay, you're going all the way to the NFL Combine to see this guy. I can't imagine it's going to be anything good." And we thought, okay, best case scenario, maybe you get to play a little bit, but you're going to be out for a while. Um, I, in my head, guys, I was thinking, you know what? If it's at all bad, if you feel like pain, just do it. Just get the surgery. Be better for it on the other end of it. You know, we I use examples like John Lackey and talking to friends and stuff like that at work and people saying, hey, look, John Lackey had that surgery, and since then he's been fine. And especially the year after he had the surgery, he came back for the Red Sox and was phenomenal here um, after that point. So, you know, you saw the signs of it. Maybe David Price had an issue with his elbow because of the decreased velocity and all this stuff. So there were signs pointing to the worst coming and like the darkest days coming for this rotation. Um, and they got lucky. No, they definitely got lucky. And I thought it was funny, you know, as soon as they, it was announced that he was going to see Dr. James Andrews, it all of a sudden came up like, oh, they shouldn't have traded clay buckles or are they going to regret worst. I hate buckles? that so much. Oh. I and said I it. Thought it. I you did. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because, you know, we have a lot of people in the bullpen. You know, we have Joe Kelly. We have potential potentially six starters fighting for five spots in the rotation. So the depth is there. Granted, it's not. It may not be the best kind of depth, but it's there. And all people could think about was was Clay Buckles and not really the well being of David Price. And I was like, eh, hey, I'd rather if people are going to think about Clay Buckles like that, then so be it. But I just thought that. That's like the first thing that pops up. It was like question of the day about buckles. It was just Jess, you can't tell me. Okay, Jess, you can't tell me that the fact that like you actually believe that they should have kept buckles. I know you wanted them to keep buckles, but like you can't think now. Oh, David Price got hurt. Should have kept buckles. You can't seriously have made that argument. Like I know you might have joked about it, but well, I mean, he's depth and he has good stretches. Ugh. And if then if your best if one of your best pitchers goes out and then you're sitting there with like. Oh, who should we put the slot? Uh, Henry Owens, Brian Johnson. Then you're like, oh, what about Clay Buckholtz, that guy? Oh, it'd be great to have him right now after he's out for the season. Obviously, yeah. he's not. But, like, Gross. yes, I thought it. Because instead of having to start over from square one and figure out who you can slot in that spot, you would have someone already in that spot, a guy I already love and a guy who's already been here for 10 years. So, yes, of course I thought it. Ugh, gross. Awful. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I don't if, know. If, I, I understand why Buckholtz- it came up. If Buckles was still on this team and it came out that Price was done for the season, I think I don't think it would have been a question that I think Buckles would have got that position, whatever whatever position that may be in that rotation, he would have filled that empty slot, whether that was moving everybody up and him even getting the five spot. I think if he was on this team, he would be that guy to fill that void. Oh, for and sure, I but it doesn't mean he's good. It just means it's the last it means it's the option. I think that if he, if that did happen and he was there, then I think people would have been relieved rather than having like Henry Owens or one of those garbage guys in the minors that can't seem to figure their act out. They would have much preferred Buckle. So I think people would have been happy about it. 
See, I don't think people would have been happy about it because if he was still on this team, people would have been pissed. Because if, if if he decided to fill in a spot, or if he had to fill in a spot, if that's if this was an issue and he was still on this team, then you would have heard fans go, "Oh crap, we got to rely on Clay Buckholz again. This is not going to be good." You just hear the same upcry you would have heard because he never would have got rid of him. Call me crazy, but I feel like more people like him than they let on. Am I crazy? Nah, you're no, crack. you're kind of crazy. No, <laughs> I, I think yeah, a lot of people disliked Clay Buckholz. Well, I think I don't really think they so much disliked him. I think they were just frustrated with his inconsistency and just like, you know, it was we never knew what we were going to get from him, from him, which is fine, which is understandable. I understand you're frustrated, but I do think at the end of the day, people really did like Buckles. I don't know if they yeah. liked Buckles. I I understand just why don't they just want to admit it. I don't. I didn't like Buckles. I hated Buckles. He was awful. He's slimy dude. But like, I think that. Overall, I understand why the majority of Red Sox fans disliked him. It was just because, like you said, because of the fact that he just couldn't stay on the field and he sucked half the time. I didn't like him because he just is a moron. He just wasn't a smart dude. He just was annoying to listen to and just annoying of a person. But that being said, I'm not going to sit here and bash Clay Buckles for, for a whole show because I've done that numerous times since this show has been in existence. So I'm not going to do that. But I wanted to ask you guys with David Price now – Obviously, we know now the rest kind of is an issue, and that's what he needs to focus on. What is it now that lets him pitch like his first start? Like, does he start the season on a DL, or is he going to be okay now? Come opening week, I think he's going to say he's fine. Um, I don't really think it's a seven to ten day kind of thing. I think it's going to be a seven to ten day thing, and they're going to talk to Price. And if he's like, "No, I'm not ready," he's not. He's obviously not going to throw, but. I think, you know, it's still we're still four weeks away from opening day. They haven't announced the official roster yet, and I think we're kind of kind of going to put a halt to it because, I mean, I think Price will be the third starter anyway. But it's it's kind of hard to say right now just because it's still early, and I guess we'll see after those seven to ten days is up and when he, if and when he starts throwing, like how it's gonna how he reacts to, you know, throwing off a mound and. It's like a wait-and-see kind of thing. I I don't know. I'm kind of torn about how it's going to go. Part of me kind of feels like he's going to start the season on the DL. I don't know. Like He's sitting there like, I don't know. I'm not going to put a timetable on it. You guys say seven to ten days. I don't say any days. We're just going to see what happens. So I feel like his uncertainty about it, plus the fact that he saw Dr. Andrews, so everyone freaked out immediately. It'd be forever. The combination of those two things, I just feel like it's going to take – I don't necessarily think this is going to be a problem, but I feel like it's going to take longer than maybe they expect – and then he's going to end up missing the first like couple weeks of the season or something, just getting back on a program and getting to regular throwing and everything. I feel like it's going to take longer than people think it's going to. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the things that's going to linger um, because you even noticed, yeah, he pitched a little better last year towards the end, but you know his velocity didn't really get back up to David Price numbers. So I do believe that you know they're going to be careful with this because they don't want to risk you know rushing it and then maybe having to get Tommy John later in the season and then you're out even longer into next year and, and things like that. So I, I think they're going to be cautious with this. I think they've shown history of um, of potentially being cautious in this sense. Um, I don't be surprised if he's on the DL for the, almost the entire first month of the season. That That's where I'm thinking this is going. Um, I just think that it's not worth the risk for April to maybe risk him in August and September. I got a question for you guys. I might have an answer. <laughs> well, you definitely have an answer. Uh, Jared, you kind of mentioned earlier about like some, you know, some guys in these situations 
are better off to get surgery and like John Lackey and to, to get better. Do you guys think that Price should have gotten surgery and that he should have missed this season? Oh, well, it's hard because... See, I, I think yes. And simply because we have this guy for seven years. This is his second year going in. So I would rather have him have, you know, good seasons towards the end of his career than in the beginning. Like, I don't want to see a crappy price for most of his contracts just to find out that he needs the surgery. And I think regardless of what happens this year or even next year, like, we're going to need him for the playoffs, whether that's just to get us some innings or maybe he'll win his first playoff game this year. We're going to need him in some way, shape, or form, and I would rather have him get it now and also while he's younger than when he's 34 and then going under the knife. Um, I'm shocked to say yes. You hear you say yes. But I overall just think that it depends, you know, because we we see – and Dr. Andrews and assume, okay, if he tells you you need surgery, you need to do it. And if you don't, you don't. So we try to want, we want to relay on his information and we want to believe what he says. Um, I mean, I kind of hinted to it earlier. I personally, I agree with Lauren. I, I think that overall, if there's any hint of being hurt, you don't want to risk it. Um, especially where you have this guy for so long. I don't even care about the money. Like, I'm not even going off that. But if you're, if you're going to depend on him for so long and I feel like if this team stays consistently good he's not going to opt out of his contract he basically said he ha- isn't going to so you know you have him um why not you know sure up a, a good elbow for an extra year of being off and he's still going to be around the team he's still going to help out and um you're better off for it than the long run and taking it one what? step further from what you guys said in terms of not even just like his career but in terms of what the team is right now, yes, it would hurt to lose him this year, but would there be any better year to lose him with Porcello coming off a Cy Young year, adding Chris Sale, and still having a good offense even though he lost yeah. Ortiz? I feel like this was this would be the best time for this to happen if it was going to happen. Yeah, it, oh, I completely agree because now you know, okay, you have a motivated Chris Sale coming in who has been on a crap bag team his entire career. He's coming in highly motivated to pitch well. Uh, made his first spring start looked okay but obviously it's spring training so who cares the numbers but look i think that you have you motivated from him you have porcello it would have been okay if me if he was out for the year would have sucked because you know you we had all this talk of a mighty rotation and then if it was all down and crumbles before opening day even happened before he even threw a spring training game um you know that would that would be horrible but you know now it's just a matter of will he be able to get ready by april probably not but it, overall i I have to, you have to trust the decision they made because you have to trust Dr. Andrews at that point. I mean, I want I want to trust him because, you know, he's the guru of elbows and just the guru of athletes, really. And the only thing I can really think of, like, for mishaps, if you want to say, is just the game, the first game that RG3 blew out his knee when he was with the Redskins. And he saw him on the sidelines that he was fine, like, I think it was, the next drive, he completely blew out his knee. So I'm like, oh, no, like, if, if Andrews told him not to go in, he'd be fine. He'd probably be a decent quarterback at this point. So <laughs> that's the only thing that kind of, like, is in the back of my head. And then, you know, what we just talked about, Price, maybe should have had the surgery this year. But maybe he doesn't even need it. Like, maybe it's just awkward tendons just stretched wrong. Like, who knows? Like, it's just, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to pitch well, and he's, I mean, if he's going to, if he's going to pitch, if he's okay, if the elbow is fine, then that's great. But 
if if we have this lingering problem of like, ooh, is he healthy? And then he pitches a bad game, and it's like, oh, maybe he's not healthy. Then he pitches a good game, and it's just going to be like a roller coaster ride of every five days. Like, is this guy healthy or is this guy not healthy? And I really don't want to deal with that at all. So I really hope if if he is pitching, then he just is fine and is pitching like normal because I don't want to deal with that crap. Yeah, no, you really don't want to. Um, you want to do that at all? It's just meh. Uh, you don't really want to deal with it. So, um, um, it, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, um, at this point, it's just you have to trust the judgment. I don't ever trust judgment, but with Andrews, you kind of have to. Um, we'll see how the Red Sox play. We'll see if they rush him back. We'll see if he's even back for a spring a spring start. Probably not. You're gonna see him get some side sessions, maybe. But at this point, he's sitting there in the nice warm weather, resting his elbow, and everywhere we wish we could be instead of in this frigid temperatures here in Boston. So <laughs> he's still winning, despite having shoulder issues and elbow issues. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, of course, you're listening to our Red Sox beat here. And our, our opening segment is powered by SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the code GARDENREPORT to your uh, the code and the code is Garden Report, all one word for a twenty dollar rebate. And so SeatGeek knows who sent you. Um, use Garden Report again to get the uh, twenty dollar rebate. Love SeatGeek, obviously good for um, getting tickets to the games as, as the Red Sox teams approach. As Lauren loved to point out, four weeks away is opening day, um, so you can go there and get your seats, which is very exciting actually. Because <laughs> I need some real baseball to talk about. But um, that being said, we mentioned. David Price obviously is kind of part for a sale. Guys, I just want to touch on it. Obviously, the stats on number. He did throw two innings today, uh, four hits, two runs, one earned, and two strikeouts in his first spring start. But overall, just just nice to see him playing some real baseball in a Red Sox uniform. As much as spring baseball can be real baseball, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great to see him on the mound, and you know, it's really hard to kind of gauge what you're kind of expecting for, in spring training because they don't starters don't pitch you know, six or seven innings, they pitched two innings. So it's kind of hard to judge, but it was great to see him. And it was obviously a start could have been much worse, could have been much better, but it's his first one. I'm not worried about it. I know what he's capable of. So, but it was just nice to see him out on the mound in his uniform. It just kind of a cool thing. Yeah, exactly. You hit it on the head. I mean, you're pitching two innings in a game, so it's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to judge anything. That's a, a, you know a middle a mid range relief relief appearance in a, in a regular game. So two innings, that's it. You know four hits, two runs, two Ks. He did fine, but I think the most important thing that you can take from this and take from any of these things is that he didn't get hurt. So that's all you're hoping for <laughs> in these games. You don't really care about the stats or how long they pitch or anything. As long as they don't get hurt, it's all good. Yeah, no, you, you, it's just, especially a guy like Chris Sale, you know, just get your work in, get your innings in, and uh, come April, whatever your first start is, be ready to go and be ready to start, hopefully, what is a good long summer of good Red Sox baseball uh, and not what the last couple years have been besides last year because I'm done being in the basement. Um, and I don't think this year will be in the basement. I'm not saying that by any means, but I'm just, I need a good baseball season, and I think we're going to get it this year. Um one other piece of intriguing Red Sox news, um, it might be small, but it could be big, but Hanley isn't playing in the World Baseball Classic um, due to his shoulder. Now, part of me, there's two sides to this for me, and this is me being a conspiracy theorist that I love to be. Um, one, you know, they just he has a bad shoulder, and they, they want to make sure, and obviously they told him not to play, but also part of me, guys, wants to think, you know, 
maybe he was just kind of sore and they're just using this as a way to keep him out of the world baseball classic to keep him around and just make sure he's ready for spring training and not to send Hanley off gallivanting across the world to play baseball. Um, cause it would be, it is better off he's here around this clubhouse than gallivanting across the world when you have a guy like Hanley who could be a personality. It's good to keep him as close as possible. No, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think it's anything to be really concerned about just because maybe, maybe it's just a little bit of soreness and he's just, they like said, you don't, they don't want to send him, and that's fine by me. I don't like when our players play in the world baseball classic just cause it's just, it's dumb. It's too close to the season. You have people like Fernando Abad over there. Look at and, Xander. It, Xander's playing in Korea across the world. Yeah. It, it's scary because you know, he's, that's our shortstop of the future. And, and he's I'm playing third base. And I, well, that's another thing is that, that I don't like about it is that he, what if he comes back all messed up? Like, I just have all these kind of like paranoia is like, he's going to get hit in the head with a line drive. He's going <laughs> to blow out his knee rounding third. He's going to make a bad play and like fall on his face, break his hand or something. Like, it's just, it's stupid. I don't think the MLB players should go and play in the World Baseball Classic. I understand it's, it's an honor and you get to represent your country. I totally understand the meaning behind it, but there's just so much, there's bigger things at stake that, I don't think really think they understand. Yeah, I hate it. I mean, it's it's way too close to the season. Like, if it was in, like, December, like, fine, whatever. You get hurt and you have time to at least get better. But having it in March right before the season starts when you're trying to get, get back up to speed for the season, I just think it's so stupid. And I'm glad they're keeping Hanley out because, yeah, I mean, they don't seem like they care, but they, they don't seem like, the shoulder stuff doesn't seem like a big deal. They haven't really mentioned it as being a big deal or something to worry about. So, like you said, Jared, it sounds like a great excuse to just keep him out of the game, out of the uh, baseball classic, and just be like, yeah, you know what? Your shoulder's sore, right? Yeah, just stay here. That's fine. We, we don't need you to go over there. Just, just stay. So I, I think that's what happened. It I agree. has to be it. It has to be it. Because if, it really, if he really wanted to play and they didn't care, they would have sent him because I feel like he's going to still get tosses and he's still going to play. But, you know, now they can baby him a little bit with the shoulder and just make sure he's ready to go for spring. And now, you know, he, I wouldn't say gets the David Ortiz treatment. He doesn't have to do anything, but you know, now he's a, he's a veteran. He's important behind the plate, uh, at the plate. And you know, now he can just focus on hitting. He still hit really well when he was playing at, at the DH spot. So look, it, it shoulder is going to affect him a little bit, but it's something he's probably going to deal with all year. It's going to be sore. He's older. It's just what it is. Plus you bulked up the way he did. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think that it's better to have him ready for the season instead of sending him out there and potentially making the shoulder worse. I mean, what's gonna hurt? what's gonna make it worse? Playing. So if he goes there and plays, then he comes back and whines, "Oh, my shoulder hurt, man! I'm gonna take the first three weeks off the season, man. Yeah, it's all good." No, that's not cool. We don't need that. <laughs> it's already gonna happen to David Price. You don't need to happen to Hanley Ramirez too. I know we don't need a rotation in our our starting lineup, just like getting shorter and shorter with each player because they decided to play in the world baseball classic. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it could be a lot worse. Um, hope we're obviously hoping Xander goes and enjoys himself, but please don't get hurt. Xander, we love you. I love you the most. You need to come back in one piece. Um, a lot going on in, around, around Boston sports around, um, you know, the Red Sox and we'll obviously keep updating everything that goes on with the Red Sox world as that happens. Um, really cool event going on though. It's Boston Sports Blogapalooza. Uh, it's a networking event where social media, blogging, podcasting, and Boston sports collide with eight events since 2010, attracting over 850 media members, fans, and business people. 
This year's event will be held on Saturday, March 25th at the Causeway Restaurant and Bar. You can register for free at boston.sportsblogapalooza.com. Uh, of course, our own CLNS, very own Jared Weiss and Nick Gelsa will be uh, the keynote speakers at the event. Uh, a bunch of us will be there. I'll be there. Lauren's going to be there. Uh, Jess will not be there. Sorry. If you wanted to meet Jess, you can't. Um, but but we, me and Lauren will be there. A bunch of other people from the, the beat staffs and other people will be there as well. So definitely, if you can and you want to join us, please check us out. Again, that's boston.sportsblogapalooza.com. Um, it'll be a good time. I'm excited. It should be fun. Before we get out of here, we talk, We hinted at rule changes last week with the uh, intentional walk thing. Um, just wanted to touch on others because, you know, we talked about how pace of play is an issue. Intentional walk kind of hints at it, but um, there's a bunch, There's a few others that kind of go at it for re- really, re- really good reasons. Um, the first one that we can talk about is the 30-second uh, limit for a manager to challenge a play. I love that because, guys, they literally they'll, they'll take 30 seconds, if not maybe a minute or two, to decide if they want to challenge it before they actually do it. Yeah, if you need more than 30 seconds to decide if you want to challenge a play, then I you're don't know what wrong. you're doing. You're probably wrong. You probably know. <laughs> you you probably know within the as soon as the play happens, whether it's like a call it first or home run. You probably know within as soon as that ball looks gone or that that person looks safe when they were called out. You you know right then and there. You don't need. 30 seconds you need you need 10 seconds but i mean i i absolutely love this because like i said you don't need that much time yeah it's good and these are the kind of rules that do need to be changed to speed the game up because unlike an intentional walk these things do do take long sometimes but the thing with, with it though is from watching enough baseball with the with the replays do they usually take that long to challenge the play, it usually seems like they do it pretty quickly. So is this really going to change anything? Anything? I would say sometimes it does. Um, it really depends. Um, sometimes it's quick. You know, like depends on what the people are doing upstairs. If they if they see something they don't like, that sort of thing. Um, I think a lot of times it might feel a lot more dragged out just because we want it to be like, hey, we can see it after the first try. Why is it taking you so long? But I mean, I like that they are putting at least putting a number to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't like just like you said, it doesn't seem like they know or they doesn't seem like they take that long to decide um i do like that they put the time on it because i i'm sure there's been times where their managers like eh, well eh, maybe okay all right i want to challenge it like no <laughs> just come out and say it. it's not that hard yeah I, yeah it's just doesn't doesn't seem to take that long usually they just look back in the clubhouse the guy's like yeah do it and then they do it i feel like it never takes more than like 10 or 15 seconds but Maybe it does, and now, like Jared said, at least now they can't take longer than that, guaranteed. So you know it won't take more than 30 seconds, whether it did before or not. <laughs> yeah, no, and it shows that they're focusing, for rule changes, they're focusing at the right um, the right spots. You know, you want them to worry about pace to play, and now they're doing that, which is good. Um, another one that they're doing is uh, kind of in the right relay there is a two-minute time limit for umps to decide on a review call. Um, there's exceptions there as well, but I like this because, you know, sometimes it takes, it takes a while, um, for them to really figure this out sometimes when it's kind of obvious and it takes forever. And it's nice to have that because, I mean, there have been times where we've had 10, 15 minute intervals of just not playing baseball because the umps and the people in Toronto couldn't figure out what they wanted to do or, or Secaucus, wherever the, the stupid review center is. Yeah. Same thing. I like this too. Um, I just, like you said, I, I've sat at games where reviews have, have seemed like they've taken forever, but it's really like maybe seven or eight minutes. And I'm just like, if you, I was talking about this the other day in 
watching the Bruins. Like, if they need a, so long, like, if they need more than, like, two minutes, two or three minutes to find out if something's conclusive or inconclusive, like, what are you trying to look for if you're taking that long to look at a replay? Like, it shouldn't take, I understand you want to get it right, and I understand that it may be really close, and but that's where you draw the line. Like, it's not conclusive. You don't have enough evidence to overturn it or this or that. Like, it drives me insane, like, the amount of time these, these reviews can take. Yeah, if you watch four or five views, even six views of a play, that shouldn't take longer than, like, a minute and a half. And if you can't decide by then, then you're just wasting your time. And, yeah, this, some of these take so long. You're just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And David O'Brien's like, wow, we're up to six and a half minutes on this review. <laughs> it's like, God, how long can he take? How many times you look at the same exact replay, like, six straight times? All right, look, it's close. All right, and it's close again. Wow, it's close, guys. You realize that was a close play? Oh, it still looks close now on the fifth time. Stop looking at it. You don't know. So don't call fa- it. It's so dumb. Yeah, the thing that's stupid, My too, favorite. is when it takes forever, and then it, they don't they overturn it, and it's wrong. And it's like, if it's not that conclusive, stop overturning it. If you look twice, you're going to be able to know if it's, you were right or wrong. And my favorite is when they'll sit there, and they'll show the replay. Like you said, you know, you'll know, you hear Dave O'Brien be like, oh, yeah, you can tell from that angle. And they show, like you said, to another angle. Oh, yeah, from that angle, too. Uh, well, if you look at it from this angle, it kind of looks like it doesn't clear the wall. But this angle shows it does clear the wall. It's just like, oh, my God. Well, the funny part, <laughs> I do. the one thing I do get a kick out of, though, is when, like, the broadcasters do, like, oh, yeah, it's def- he's definitely safe. I think they, they got that wrong. They're going to overturn that. He's definitely safe at home. And then, like, 15 minutes later, oh, wait, they didn't over. They, he's, what do you mean he's not safe? What are you talking about? How, and then, like, everyone in the world says he's going to be safe, and then he's out or, like, whatever. And it's just like – Sometimes it's just not right, and it's, it's. I like that they're going to at least try to shorten it because it does take forever sometimes, and it's stupid. Yeah, I've never understood that when, like, everyone is like, yeah, that's definitely this call. And then they call something else. It's like, what are they looking at? We're all looking at the same thing. We all have eyes. There's, like, these guys are supposed to be professionals. This is, like, what they do. It's like, this is the replay center where we look at replays all day long. That's all we do is look at replays, and then you get it wrong. It's like, what are you doing? Stop having having that job if you can't if you can't see like it's, I'm sorry and if it's not conclusive then don't call it it's like it's just I I'm all for replay I'm all for getting the call right but if you can't get the call right I'd rather have John Farrell out there screaming his head off and and Terry Francona spitting his gum on the umpire and stuff and getting all enraged than sitting and looking at the clubhouse and being like all right let's do a replay like it takes the, the fun out of it but if you're gonna do it get it right yeah it doesn't make sense and I just think that overall they. I, I like replay, like you said, Jess, but at the same time, I think replay starting to get really, really overblown. Um, you know, I miss the times when it was the nature of the beast. You miss a call, you get Lou Pinella or someone coming out and just going crazy. And I miss those days, you know, when you could just argue a call and that's about it. And you'll leave it at that and be done with it. And it was wrong. You, you know it was wrong. But you, I don't mind it on big plays. and I don't mind replay as a whole. But I think they're still, they're, they're, they're slowly removing the human element of the game completely. Um, by doing stuff, so it's nice to at least see them trying to cut back a little bit with time at least. Um, one other thing they're doing with the replay is the umps can now um, invoke a play review basically before they could do it um, if the manager has no more challenges in the seventh inning. Um, now they can do it in the eighth um, instead of the seventh. So at least they're they're cutting back on those as well, at least what I'm getting from this rule. So um, just another really one to kind of speed up the game and give a little less control of that stuff, but also not have to worry about it as much. I mean, I think they're trying too hard to uh, speed up the pace of the game. Like, I get it. I Just put the, stupid pitch but... clock. put the stupid pitch clock in the game. <laughs> it, it, it's all you need to do. And I, all these challenges and stuff, I, I mean, how often do you see an umpire challenge? 
Like not very often. I can't remember I last time I saw one. So I know I'm just sitting here like so you bump it up an extra inning, okay? But that's only if the coach or the manager doesn't have any more challenges. So I mean that's kind of a dumb rule. Like I said, I I get it, I understand it, but it's just it, this one's just kind of dumb. I don't really think it's gonna change anything about the game. Yeah, I think if you're gonna change something, I think. I mean, I hate to say this because it takes out, like, the what's fun about baseball, but really the thing that takes the longest in baseball is pitching changes. When you have, like, three, four pitching changes in an inning and, like, eight or nine pitchers pitching in a game, that's what takes forever because you go to a commercial for every single one, you're adding, like, 20, 25 minutes onto the game. But then can you be like, all right, you can't you can't bring a guy in anymore. That kind of takes out the element of, like, baseball. But, like, if you're going to speed up the game, that's how you got to do it. Yeah, the biggest thing they need to figure out is that situation. And, you know, you limit the pitching changes per inning, uh, maybe one or two, whatever it may be, or mountain visits or the pitch clock. They, they're on the right track with some of the things they've tested um, in terms of, like, the pitch clock and the minors. But, like, they need to just implement those things into the everyday game. Um, and then they go, they, they find something that might actually work, and then they go away from it and test this bullcrap of things of, hey, let's let's tell them they can't do the – umpire review in the seventh inning and was put in the eighth and it's like how often does that affect more than like 30 seconds if at all of any game yeah it's it's stupid that's that's what you got you got to make do dramatic things if you really want to change that much if you're okay with it then just leave it how it is but other than that i mean you're doing like the putting the guy at second base and the extra innings which is hilarious guys so i was talking to somebody who worked the other day and they said they they're a baseball fan they said they like the rule and they said that they think that that's going to get more people to like get into the game and i'm what? like how what are you what, talking? What, what, i have, I have no that, idea what's that going to do at all to get people into the game no no general yeah. somewhat got person who's not the fan of watching baseball on the fence is going to say oh look at that great rule and now i'm going to turn the tv back on well, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was saying, like, oh, it's a 4-2 game in the seventh inning. People are going to leave that game, which isn't true anyway. But he seemed to think that was the case. And then he was like, so if you put a guy at second extra innings, that's going to get people to stay in the seats and stay at the game. I'm like, but well, you're just completely ruining everything about, like, what's sacred about baseball. <laughs> yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Like, everything he said was wrong. No, your coworker's wrong. <laughs> wrong, wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I get the, the whole the putting someone at second thing, like, I get why they think about it, and it really is a minor league thing to do. But to, to even consider that, to consider that is just—I understand you want to fix the game in the terms of like speed of play and pace of play and things like that. But you know, how often do you get a 15, 16 inning baseball game anyway? They don't happen that often. So at that point, yeah. you appreciate it, you deal with it. Um, it's always been a thing where you know half the ballpark empties out, and you have the diehards there in the nineteenth inning. It's just that's what baseball is. And I understand you want to fix it so that baseball can be more of a widespread sport. It needs to regain its traction a little bit and i want that for the sport but there are some things that you just have to value in what baseball is about yeah there's no way that's ever getting past minor leagues there's no way that's happening and if it does then the player should, and if it does the player should be ashamed because that has to be bargained in yeah which that's fine i don't ever want it to reach the major league level because i love my 1980 games yeah, yeah i'm almost i don't want to ruin it with the guy in second give me give me six and a half seven eight hours of baseball and put me there i want to be there i love going to eight hour games I love those games. I love it. Those are so much fun. <laughs> only downside, only downside of those games is because they stop serving alcohol in like the seventh inning in most places, if it goes 19 innings, you can't get another beer. And then like maybe getting home because like the trains stop. <laughs> oh, well, don't care about that part. You can figure that out. You can get an Uber or whatever to the train station, but you can't 
have more beer. If you, in a 19 inning game, I would like another beverage, please. Well, well that's so why I... you buy at the end of the seventh or two hours after first pitch, whatever it is now. Just buy. <laughs> Just stock buy up. like six and plan for the nine the 19 inning game. <laughs> yeah, and then if not, you chug them, and you. I don't really know what to tell you after that. You, know, you probably wouldn't know what's going on after that, so it's okay. <laughs> well, as someone who doesn't drink, I would prefer to uh, figure out how I'm getting home before I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You're you're true there. Um, all right. Since we start talking about alcohol, we'll wrap the show there. Um, you can find us, of course, on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Um, we're on iTunes, Stitcher. If you can rate, review, and subscribe to us, that'd be phenomenal. Share the word. Baseball season's around the corner. Lauren's getting giddy. It's four weeks away. Opening day. April's right around the corner. We're very excited. Woo! We'll keep you up to date with what's going on. The written coverage will keep you up to date of what's going on. And uh, don't forget to spread the word about what we're doing. Um, we'll be back to our episodes once opening day hits. That's my plan for what we're doing. Because that's kind of when a lot of the news will pick up. And we'll have Jess's recap back in action. Um, we'll, be back, we'll be back in full swing uh, RSB style. So until then, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, we'll be back next week. My name is Jared Scally, and this has been... Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio and CLNSRadio.com.